Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by Engage for Good and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com and selfishgiving.com. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. My name is Megan Strand, and we are with me today, as always, is the fabulous Joe Waters. Hey, hey Joe. Hey, Megan. What's happening? Not much. I'm just excited to be here because we're talking about something cool. We get to talk about data today. I know. You get to be a real research geek today, which you know you love. I know, I know. Tell everyone who we're talking to today. Yeah, I mean, we have a great guest today. We have Jessica Lee, who is Assistant Professor of Marketing at the University of Kansas. And she has a great new article out that explores how corporate social responsibility efforts are perceived by different cultures. And this is, you know, for someone like me that really goes outside Boston, Megan, this was really important. (laughs) You know, there is actually a world outside 128 in Boston. And Jessica has been there and she's explored CSR attitudes. Excellent. Well, you can pack that study with you in your suitcase next time you leave Boston. Absolutely. We know it doesn't happen very often. Well, before we get to that, though, I know that you have a couple of things you want to talk about, and I do as well. So you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do on the show now, just to remind people, is we want to give people uh, some highlights of things that we've been reading during the week. So right now, Megan and I are picking uh, one or two things that we want to talk about and mention to you that we think is really important. And one of the things I wanted to mention to you is since uh, Trump's inauguration, there has actually been uh, a little bit of controversy because some of the different governmental departments haven't been able to tweet and blog and and put Facebook updates and stuff. And I think what's really interesting is there's all these different um, communities really coming out of the woodwork, these individuals coming out of the woodwork and doing the work for these organizations. And one of them, yeah, and one of them is the National Park Service. And now it's not the National Park Service, but it is someone who is working with them and getting getting out this information on climate information. So instead of the National Park Service uh, tweeting out information on climate change, uh, we have a new site called the Alt-US Nat Park Service. And I will put this in the show notes, folks, that you can take a look at it. But what it is, Megan, is it's sharing all the information that you would generally see uh, on the National Park site. But what's interesting about this is it's being done by individuals. And what's really amazing, Megan, get this, they have over a million million followers to this Twitter handle. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's a website and a Twitter handle. It is. a. You know what it is? It's a Twitter handle. It's a Twitter handle because it it links to the National Park site so that people can go there and get information. But because the National Parks aren't allowed right now to tweet information, you know, they're doing it for them. So they want to let people know that even though Trump isn't allowing different government agencies to tweet, on climate change, they are going to tweet in their behalf. And the point I want to make with something like this, Megan, is it really shows because of social media and because of technology, just how much power individuals have to do things. And this is just a great example on the communication side. But what I really encourage people on the cause marketing side is to really remember is that it's not about organizations anymore. It's about individuals. And organizations like companies and nonprofits are 
pass-throughs to nonprofit uh, supporters, to advocates, to donors. And one of the things that we should keep in mind with all our programs, anything that we do in cause marketing, is how can we tap that broader audience? Because that's the opportunity. In the case of cause marketing, it's not with the company. Most companies donate less than 1% of their pre-tax earnings to nonprofits. What the real opportunity is working with the customer and the employee. And this is a great example of someone who's working outside organizations to make things happen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Okay, we're done with the show. That was just so beautiful, Joe. I don't think we have to do anything else the rest <laughs> hey, of the show. No, wait a minute. You've you've got to have something good. I know okay, you have, I have something, something good. I have something that's fun. Last okay. last week I brought a statistic, which I get really excited about. Yep. But this time it's something a little bit more fun. So I saw just today, Joe, that for the Super Bowl, Tostitos has created this very cool bag of chips called the Party Safe Bag. Mm -hmm. And it literally in the bag has a sensor that is connected to some little device that detects traces of alcohol on a person's breath. Whoa. So it when the alcohol is detected, these LED lights on the bag turn red and form a steering wheel and give you a don't drink and drive message and then give you an Uber code for a free ride. What? And Tostitos has also partnered with Mothers Against Drunk Driving and Uber to give people $10 off a ride on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. So how cool is that? Well, well, wait a minute, though. How do they do that again? Like it's some weird little sensor like that picks up on alcohol. Wow. And if and if it's picking up on alcohol, then it the LED lights turn red. And that's when this message and the code is presented. So wow. I just think it's pretty fascinating. It's an interesting use of packaging. And I've seen Doritos do a couple of really cool things with their packaging. The first one that they did was um, Doritos Rainbows, where they were giving, raising funds for the It Gets Better project in support of LGBT youth. Yeah, that was really and popular. It was like, oh my gosh, it was yeah. super popular. Yeah. Like rainbow colored chips. It was a white bag. And then more recently, they did this hilarious campaign where they did a limited edition bag of no chips. It was literally an empty bag supporting <laughs> Rock the Vote. They were trying to get people to understand that if they didn't vote, they don't get a choice. So there, it's literally an empty bag that you could mail to people that you suspected weren't going to vote. So I just think it's really interesting packaging. Yeah. I think sometimes gets overlooked or people, you know, get all tripped up in the legalities of what can they put on the bag. But in these campaigns between Doritos and Tostitos, they're really making a statement. And yeah. I just I just love it. I well, think you know fun. what I love about that, too, is I love when uh, when brands think about really think about their assets and how they can use them. Because how many people when it comes to like packaging and stuff like that probably say, well, we can't do anything with our packaging. You know, it's you know, it's risky and and it's a lot of work and stuff like that. Absolutely. But, but you know, in the same and breath, is. and it is, but in the same breath though, it's incredibly powerful because it Absolutely. is a really great asset because think about all the people that those bags get in front of. Exactly. And I think by having limited time, short run things, which again is probably horrendously cost costly. Mm. It just packs a bigger impact because it's like, hey, you know, this is for the Super Bowl. And we're actually in a couple of episodes going to be talking about something cool that's happening for the Super Bowl as well. Yeah. So that's why you have to tune into to Cause Talk Radio and yeah, subscribe absolutely. so that Every you don't week. miss all this cool stuff. Yeah. And speaking of cool stuff, 
let's talk to our guest, shall we? So coming up right now is Jessica Lee, and we hope you enjoy the interview. She'll be talking about CSR attitudes in um, other cultures and companies. And it's a really interesting interview, and you can hear the excitement in Megan Strand's voice <laughs> with research and data and all those geeky things. Even though we live in a post-factual world, it doesn't matter. Megan still believes in the facts. Calling us from sunny Kansas, <laughs> Jessica, how are you today? Hi, thank you so much for having me on the show. No problem. So, Jessica, what is Kansas like in the winter? So, is it really cold? Is it really snowy? Oh, man, it's kind of bipolar. Yeah. Some days it's 60 degrees yep. and sunny. I'm not kidding. Yep. And other days it, it's a high of 10 degrees Celsius um, and you really don't want to leave the house. So, you know, there are ups and downs, probably just like in any other place. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But you're surviving out there and you're doing lots of research. Yeah. The, the positive side about winters in Kansas is you want to stay indoors a lot of times. <laughs> so you have the opportunity. Crunching data. That's, That's right. So you can be crunching data. Exactly. And we should mention too, Jessica, you did not do this research alone. You worked with several other people on it. No, I am not the first author of this paper. Um, that goes to my co-author, Jung Sil Choi, mm -hmm. who is an assistant professor at Cleveland State University. He was a PhD student at the University of Kansas, and that's how we met. Oh, and we also have Young Kyung Chang mm -hmm. and Ming Guang Jing, mm -hmm. who are also co-authors on this paper. That's right. Wow. Yeah. But by, team. but by far, you are like the most articulate and best one in the group. <laughs> Jessica, I mean, oh, come I, on. I don't know about you know, that, but I mean, I mean, you you are obviously the superstar on the research team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one who is in cold Kansas right now, I believe. <laughs> so, Jessica, tell us, give us the give us the the high level summary of what this study was all about, and tell us a little bit about why you even did the research. Sure. Um, so, I'll just start with why. I wanted to do this research because I think that'll lead into what it's about. Um, I'm interested generally about consumer behavior and why consumers make the decisions they do. But an, an aspect of consumer behavior that is not as well studied is in the nonprofit sector or um, the donation behavior of consumers. And that's very much a part of marketing as well. So what, what we wanted to do in this project was we wanted to look at whether consumers' attributions or their sense-making of why companies are engaging in uh, pro-social behaviors affects what they decide to do with uh, purchasing behaviors and also their attitudes toward the company um, and whether that is affected by the culture and where the company is located. Um, so the broad level overview, I guess, is that we build on a lot of previous research and there are some concepts that are important here. Like one of them is attributions. So it's not enough for a company to just uh, do something positive and think every everyone is going to perceive that behavior to be positive. Attributions mean that we actually care about why the company is doing what they're doing. And that can actually differ even if the company is doing something good. Um, and then the other thing to keep in mind is intergroup bias. And that's some literature and theory that we draw from that shows that we treat in-group and out-group members differently. Um, and that varies across cultures. So that gets into a whole uh, other issue of, you know, stereotyping and prejudice that 
you know, isn't as relevant for this paper, but it's built upon that theory. So we kind of combine those literatures together to show how intergroup bias and attributions can help companies determine whether it's beneficial to engage in CSR. Let me just clarify. We should also say that you did three studies and you took samples from four different countries, the U.S., Canada, India, and South Korea. Is that correct? That is correct. And we did that because two of those countries are what we call individualistic cultures, Mm -hmm. the United States and Canada, and two of them, South Korea and India, are the collectivistic cultures. Define those two things for our audience. Yeah. So individualistic cultures um, like the United States and Canada, they tend to have members of the community that focus more on individual progress. um, And they're more individualistic in the sense that when you think of yourself, you probably are thinking about your own achievements, your own goals. Um, While other people in your life are important to you, they're not as much as part of your identity as someone in a collectivistic society. So a collectivistic culture, their, uh, their individuals living in that community tend to very much have other people as part of their identity. If someone in their family does well, then they actually feel pride, even if it's not their own achievement. So that's the main difference here. Individualistic societies based on me (laughs) and the importance of my own achievements. Collectivistic societies uh, based on uh, are based on the importance of the group, group harmony, my in-group members, my family. They're all vital to how I perceive myself. And how many people in just collectively throughout the three studies did you did you actually were you actually in touch with? We collected data on approximately equal numbers of people from collectivistic and individualistic societies. And I believe we have around 700 participants in total. What I was wondering, too, is when you were looking at the companies, were you mainly looking at U.S. companies in these foreign markets? So, for example, you know, um, you know, an American company may be doing something in South Korea and kind of going in there with the recognition that, hey, this is the way we do CSR in the United States. And then they take it to South Korea and they try to do something and people are perceiving it in a very different way. Right. Yeah. We weren't looking at the United States uh, specifically, but a lot of multinational companies are based in uni- the United States. So that could be a good extrapolation. And what, what we find is that, yes, if a company is headquartered in the United States and they engage in uh, cause-related marketing, people make very positive, like altruistic ego uh, attributions. So they think this company is doing this pro-social behavior because they really care about the community. Then when they do that same behavior in a collectivistic society, such as South Korea or India, all of a sudden the consumers are not making as many altruistic attributions. And in fact, um, their attributions are much lower for that multinational company compared to a domestic company. Um, And what happens is that influences their purchase behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, Jessica, I have an example of something like this that I heard about. (laughs) Okay, that I think you're really going to like. Okay, now Uh I heard about wait for it. Okay, now this has to do with Brazil, though. 
All right. And someone was telling me about a petroleum company that was working in Brazil and it was an American petroleum company and they were doing CSR down there uh, with Mm -hmm. their different service stations and stuff like that and gas stations that they had in the area. But what they didn't realize is something like that can be a very common practice here in the States. But in Brazil, the people there have less confidence in companies and the government that when they make a donation... Uh, mm-hmm. at the company level or at the government level that the donation will actually get to the cause. Something we don't right. even think about in this country. We right. always assume that if we donate money at uh, a business, that that money is indeed going to the charity. And in Brazil, they didn't feel that way. They didn't have that type of confidence. So isn't that a great example of a U.S. company that did something in another company, but they had a different perception of it? Joe, that is a great example. It is. It is. And, and you <laughs> know what? research... Yes, uh, our research would suggest, though, that if the company was domestic, then people wouldn't be as skeptical. So that's what I was going to ask about what you had said earlier. So if there was a CSR activity in a collectivistic society like India or South Korea that was done by um, a domestic company, mm-hmm. they would be they would see that as authentic. They would attribute positive aspects to that particular campaign because they are a a collectivistic society and b because it's that domestic company is that yes that is a perfect summary um and the reason for that is what i mentioned before this intergroup bias is stronger in collectivistic societies um intergroup bias being that people tend to relate more to the in-group and to trust and value the in-group more than the out-group in these societies. You, you know what's a great example of the difference between individualistic and collective collectivistic societies is just watch the movie with Michael Keaton, Gung Ho. Has anyone seen it? No. It's about no. a Japanese Was it from mo- the 80s? Yeah, it's from the 80s and Maybe it's about a it. Japanese automobile company that comes and takes oh, over yeah, 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 yeah. an American car um, manufacturing plant and it t- and it, it's a total clash of cultures Jessica. Now Jessica the movie came out in 1986 you probably weren't even born in 1986. So, <laughs> but I mean, but what's interesting about this though is this this total clash of culture because the Americans have a much more individualistic sense of like work and life and stuff like that and then the Japanese workers are much more committed to the success of the group and the success of the company and it's like these two clashes throughout the movie in addition to some hilarious humor. Right. <laughs> and this applies to community communication in all different forms of advertising. Um, Here, we're looking at one particular type of nonprofit uh, behavior, but any form of communication. So research has found that in individualistic cultures, if your advertisement focuses on benefits for the self. So here, I'm marketing a product um, like an energy drink. Hey, this drink will help you be a better student and make you focus and help you achieve your goals. That's perceived more positively in individualistic societies. But you take that same energy drink and in a collectivistic society, it sells better if you market it as this energy drink will help you be a better friend. It'll give you more energy to be with your family oh, interesting. members. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. So that, that was going to be my next question was how, <laughs> like if you're a U.S. company and you are marketing internationally with a cause program, 
what have you gathered from your research that they that people should be doing? I mean, one thing you're just talking about right now, like messaging should be focused about the society versus the individual. But are there other little nuggets that you were able to use as more of a more of a practical tip for international companies or US companies that are wanting to go internationally? Yeah, so practically I think this research really shows that if you're going to go to a different market, you need to know your target audience very well. Um, and regardless whether you're a nonprofit or for a profit, it's important to look at your uh, marketing plan strategically because CSR isn't necessarily cheap, right? And as more and more companies are starting to engage in it, it might not actually bring about the return on investment that some companies are hoping for. Um, so look at how much money you're putting into your CSR initiative um, and then maybe do some front-end research before you go all in to see how consumers in that in that country are perceiving your efforts and whether that's giving you any return. So that's, that's one um, takeaway. Another one is we did use this moderator, um, which means how do we like turn off the effect? And we found that the length of the firm's commitment to the CSR uh, made a difference. So even though people in collect collectivistic societies tended to view the foreign firm's CSR as less altruistic than the domestic firm's CSR, well, that difference actually went away if both of those companies showed that they were committed to the, the cause. So if they had been donating, contributing to the cause for a long period of time, that's a sign of commitment. And when consumers saw that, hey, this company actually does care about this cause rather than, you know, they're they're just doing it in order to increase their own profits or as a tax write-off or something, then that's when they give equally positive attributions to the foreign and domestic firm. Interestingly, that happens in the U.S. too, though, in terms of perceiving a company as authentic or not. If they have a long-term commitment, people mm -hmm. are more likely to say, oh, yeah, I know, you know, they've been supporting breast cancer for years. Of course, this is altruistic. But if they are doing something that's six weeks, it's not seen as quite as quite as authentic. So that's interesting that that ends up being sort of a remedy for being that international company coming into a foreign culture. Mm. You know, I think, too, um, Jessica and Megan, there's some interesting implications, too, for causes that may, we may want to export abroad, too. Like, you know, for example, I'm thinking like one of the things that people have said as guests on the show here before, Megan, is they really want to work with international charities because that gives them exposure in other markets like GameStop when they were on the show mentioned that. And I think, Jessica, your study could really give them some good guidance in terms of how they need to approach those other markets because they need to do it in a different way. And I also think it's really interesting that when we look at the major cause imports to the United States, and I think of two, uh, Megan, both of which we've had on the show, uh, one Red Nose Day from the UK in November from Australia, both of those come from other individualistic societies as opposed to an export from, say, Japan or another country into the US. Yes. Uh and in general, there's been more research done on individualistic societies just because probably there are more researchers overall in these countries and, and we use convenient samples. But as we become more of a global economy, it's really important, I think, to look at how multinational corporations and, and um, companies that 
that are marketing in different countries are going to be successful. Did you look at, Joe raises a good point. Did you, in your research through any of your studies, look at the collectivistic countries when an international company came in? Did you look at specifically what the cause was, whether the cause was domestic or mm-hmm. not? Yeah, so the we took an experimental approach um, and we kept the cause as a domestic cause for okay. in all of our studies. Okay. So the, the corporation was um, a foreign corporation, but their donations were going back to the cause for the, in the country. Interesting, because I think to Joe's point, a lot of companies would say, well, as long as we're partnering with a local cause, it's fine. Or a cause mm-hmm. that's international that has a local presence, it's fine. But mm-hmm. your point is that maybe not. I mean, there's a lot of, there are, it sounds like there's a lot of other things that they need to look at, including messaging, including length of commitment, including right. ROI to see if to see if that's actually worth it. Right. And to Joe's point, I think with nonprofits that want to partner with um, with for-profits and cause marketing in a different country, one way, like I said, that, that they could maybe increase or boost the positive attributions for consumers in that country is to really emphasize somehow that they're really, that they're really committed to the cause. And they can maybe talk about their experiences in another country, direct consumers to information that show that they've been donating to the cause for a long period of time, or even give some um, outcome or data variables that show that they've been successful at helping this cause. All of those things will lessen the skepticism that collectivistic consumers may have for these foreign companies. All right. Right. That's a really good point. You know, it's kind of interesting because I was trying to think, uh, Megan and Jessica, like an example of a company that may be doing a good job in that regard, like, you know, creating appeals. And the only one that came to mind, Megan, I don't know if you would agree with this one, but Ikea. Uh, you know, because they're in a lot of different markets and they seem to do a really good job. Like one of the things I've noticed in looking through foreign publications and following cause outside the United States is IKEA is often identified as a great example of like cause marketing. And, you know, because they do things around refugees and stuff like that. And they actually have done uh, some interesting programs. I know in Europe this year about like even setting up in their stores about what um, a refugee site would look like in their stores, you know, trying to replicate that. And maybe that's something that kind of transcends place and uh, because you know that's something that a lot of people can connect with I think. I think the other one is Unilever Joe. Ikea is a great example Unilever does a lot of very very hyper local stuff um, Mm -hmm. all over the world actually so that's I think that's another great example maybe we could dig up a couple examples of those (laughs) Joe and include them in the show notes. Yeah that would be be fun. Yeah that's right I know that would be fun on something like that you know I mean think about it Megan you and I could with Jessica's research if we could like conquer the world totally and we could the totally take cause marketing into countries like bangladesh and croatia then you and, could then you could you be know. the conquistador of cause joe i love that <laughs> i love that after giving david hesekiel the commodore of cause i know that would know. be such an elevation and title for me <laughs> jessica any other interesting findings that maybe things that surprised you from from your results that you didn't anticipate going in well, one thing that maybe wasn't necessarily surprising, but sort of interesting to us is that the 
egoistic attributions or the negative attributions didn't increase that much for foreign firms. So when we talk about altruistic attributions, they're they're the positive attributions like uh, this company really cares about the cause and that's why they're engaging in these behaviors. The egoistic attributions are are things like this company just wants a tax write-off. Now, consumers weren't really saying this company is engaging in this uh, behavior because they're just a company that wants tax write-offs and they're a company that only cares about themselves. That didn't move as much. It was the altruistic attributions that were higher. So collectivistic consumers were really positive toward the domestic firms, CSR, um, Initiatives. They're saying, yeah, this company is just is so great. Um, this company really cares and less so for the, the foreign firms. And that is actually that's important to note because you can boost consumers positive um, attitudes toward mm-hmm. the company by by engaging in CSR. It's also in line with previous research uh, in that collectivistic societies, they individuals in those societies tend to really um, promote the in-group and and like the in-group. And sometimes there's some derogation of the out-group, but that doesn't, that's not as strong as the positive uh, mm. toward the in-group. So the moral of the story is if you're a collectivistic society, you should definitely be doing cause marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think the, it goes it back to, an old, I think it goes back to something we talk about a lot too, Megan, is persuasion occurs through identification, you know, is that, you know, regardless of what society you live in, people, when people can identify with the causes and the organizations and the people that uh, companies and causes are helping that, you know, you have a greater uh, chance of success. Absolutely. Would you believe it? Would you agree with that, Jessica? Yeah, I do. Well, Jessica, this has been so, so interesting. Thank you for giving Joe and I an overview of your fantastic research at a level that we could understand. Um, you've got a <laughs> lot of great, Jessica was gracious enough to share her her paper with us. And both Joe and I were like, ah, I think this is too smart for us. We can't quite get there. But um, this oh, has been fantastic. No, so all. thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. If people want to find out more about you online, how might they do that? Well, they can go to my website. I'm at the University of Kansas and they can find me at business.ku.edu slash Yashin dash Jessica dash Lee. And that's Y-E-X-I-N dash J-E-S-S-I-C-A dash L-I. Excellent. And we will include that in the show notes so that people can find that on the website. How about you, Joe? Where can people find you online? Uh, minute to minute, people can find me on Twitter at Joe Waters. Uh, definitely check out my blog, selfishgiving.com, and sign up for my mini course on cause marketing where I'll teach you all sorts of great tips. And check out all those pins I have on Pinterest at pinterest.com uh, front slash Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for Engage for Good at Engage for Good. And as Joe mentioned, you can find show notes at SelfishGiving.com as well as EngageForGood.com. And of course, please subscribe to the Cause Talk Radio podcast in iTunes or Google Play so that you do not miss an episode. While you're there, leave a review. Let us know what you liked about today's show, what else you want to hear more about. And we would be very, very happy to see your comments. And on behalf of Jessica and Joe and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. And we'll talk to you next time.